Hello, welcome to the podcast program In Community and Company, presenting inspiring conversations about how communities galvanized. I'm your host, Eric Sloss. In Community and Company is produced by the Community Engagement Program at Point Park University and recorded in the Center for Media Innovation at Point Park University in front of an audience of no one. Today, we are here to examine how communities galvanize around neighborhoods and architect architecture. And who better to do this with than Bonnie Baxter, founder and executive director of Doors Open Pittsburgh. Uh, Doors Open celebrates Pittsburgh's unique architecture and history through an annual open house historical tour, bus and walking historical tours. Most importantly, a core component to Doors Open Pittsburgh are telling rich stories about our built environment. The organization believes that every building and its people have a story to tell. We're also joined here, thank you, Paul, Mr. Paul Tellers. He's a former architect at Carnegie Mellon University, former director of planning at WTW Architects of Pittsburgh. And he also teaches courses, uh, lifelong uh, learning courses at Carnegie Mellon University and the University of Pittsburgh. Paul is, a, is an architect consultant and master storyteller on behalf of Doors Open Pittsburgh. Bonnie and Paul, welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, let's start from the beginning. You know, the definition of galvanize is to shock or excite someone into taking action. You know, the urgency of his voice galvanized them into action. So, uh, you know, Bonnie, I guess let's start with you. Um, you know, what, you know, how can, how can people begin to galvanize or shock and excite by, you know, you give folks a peek into rare architecture experiences and you, and, and you put them in this environment of neighborhoods. And, and, and storytelling is an important piece of that. How do those elements, how can those elements galvanize people? Oh, um, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, just like you said, by just putting it in front of people um, uh, and letting them experience uh, our architecture directly and then understanding, um, you know, how our city's heritage and history ties into that architecture. I mean, these buildings, once you get people inside of a building, I think the timeline, the historical timeline of a city starts to fall into place. When people are inside these buildings, they learn not just about the architecture and some of the design elements, but they learn about the people who built the buildings, why they built them and how they contributed, uh, you know, in this case to Pittsburgh. And I think when people start to hear that perspective and they're you know, inside the building, they're kind of immersed and being a, given a hug, uh, by all this information, how could you not help but um, but sort of instigate some further curiosity and engagement, you know, in your own city's history? So that's kind of our take on it. Well, that's actually kind of interesting that you're looking at, you know, what the definition of the history of a city is, is, is defined, is a portion of that is defined by the built environment, which makes a lot of sense. Paul, I'm wondering if, I'm wondering if you can maybe uh, unpack that a little bit more in terms of the bones of the architecture. What, what, can you share there? Sure. Uh, well, you know, everyone's involved in architecture, whether they know it or not, because uh, right now we are sitting within uh, building structures of one type or another in a, in a house or an office, and we can take it for granted. I think what I've enjoyed so much about Doors Open is it makes people aware of the architecture that affects their lives so much every day. and you know, using the annual event as a good example, you know, where uh, visitors are welcomed into historic buildings. Uh, you know, it, it, that's a perfect example because people can pass by these buildings and 
and work in them or live in them and uh, think, well, that's, that's pretty great. And just so there's a roof over my head and I'm comfortable uh, in the winter and the summer. But what Doors Open does is um, explain the history, uh, enrich the story, uh, and make it much more real and more vibrant and, and kind of exciting. So whether it's a significant building, like so many of the buildings are on the annual event tour, or just storytelling about communities and neighborhoods, uh, it's making people aware of something that's part of their everyday life. Yes, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very curious about the connectivity, how the connect, connectivity architects can play in, in building community. Um, there's many instances where architecture has done the opposite, right? New construction has, has separated cities, um, separated neighborhoods. Uh, have you come, Bonnie, have you come across any situations as you're telling stories about bridging that gap? And if there's any specific moments where you, you look at this piece of architecture, you're opening the doors and you're, you're realizing that this is a connection between one community and another. Um, have you ever experienced anything like that or could share an anecdote? Yeah, nothing specific comes to mind. Paul, you might be able to back me up on this, but I think overall, just when you look at the life cycle of a building, um, you know, and how buildings are repurposed, you know, through the evolution of our history, I think that in itself um, speaks to what you're just asking. Um, it's, it is a connect, buildings are a connection point. You know, maybe the building served one original purpose, but then throughout the history or life cycle of that building, our city's history, it has evolved um, and that building has represented um, you know, different pinnacles in our history because of the work that's done inside those buildings by different organizations or businesses who thrive inside of those businesses. So that's those buildings, that's how I would look at it. Right, what I was gonna add to that is uh, this whole, uh, we're kind of talking about historic preservation indirectly and uh, that's such a critical topic where a building is built for one purpose and maybe a generation later, it's adapted for a different use. Uh, and it can be preserved as a historic artifact or simply adapted and readjusted for a new use. And sometimes, as we all know, these, uh, these stories can be very uh, controversial. People have different opinions about what should be preserved, what should be saved. And uh, inevitably, um, cities change. People, buildings are taken down and replaced by uh, other things. Sometimes uh, swaths of buildings are in our urban renewal era, after World War II, uh, whole districts of the city were uh, taken down and adapted. So these are huge decisions that communities and um, governments have to collaborate on and make these difficult decisions. Yeah, Paul, I'd like to. I'd love. I'd, I'd love to hear from you if you can think of a piece of architecture in Pittsburgh that I'd, like does a good job of making connection that has evolved over over time to meet the needs of, of, of that particular community. I like what Jane Jacobs says. She says, we expect too much of new buildings and too little of ourselves. And I think there's something very rich about uh, really understanding how we move through the city rather than this expectation of a building to solve all these problems. And I think there's something really interesting done to, uh, to discover about buildings and how they live in a city over time. Yeah. Um... Let's use, you know, I, I spent a lot of my career in Oakland at Carnegie Mellon. So let's, maybe we can go there for an example. Um, 
Oakland is such an interesting district because it's a second city center and uh, it's a mix, a rich mix of uh, old and new. We see so much new going on there and, and uh, I haven't been so much involved in recent years, but in the early years of this century, I was very much involved. And uh, we had a lot of discussions about what, what to take down and what to build new and what to replace. So, um, I mean, uh, you know, let, let's use Shenley Plaza in the middle of Oakland was, uh, is a good example of uh, where the community in the end came together, but we had a lot of, uh, a lot of things to talk about in creating Shenley Plaza. Uh, removing an, a parking lot that was kind of the centerpiece of Oakland. Um, you know, people didn't like the parking lot, but they sure liked the parking. And, um, uh, but through a lot of discussion and excellent community, I, you know, I think sharing views and communicating well with every aspect of the community, I think we came up with, um, you know, with a, what you see there today. Uh, which has uh, been built for the enjoyment of the all the uh, people that live and work in the Oakland district. Yeah, I guess I'd, that's a great example. But I guess you know the naysayers themselves demanding parking. What what was the what, that, what was the what was the response? Right? What was that? Talk about galvanizing. This was really an important uh, topic for the Oakland community. Yeah, parking is critical uh, to. Uh, to a busy district like that. And everybody recognized that there was, uh, but you know, to get, not to wade into the weeds on that particular project, but there at that time, this is in the early years, you know, uh, of the 21st century, there, uh, the University of Pittsburgh and the city of Pittsburgh were building new parking facilities um, in the district. So we could, uh, you know, come up with data showing that we are, providing the type of parking, a lot of the parking that was needed was short term. Uh, so that led us to think of, uh, you know, street side parking, mm -hmm. rather than long term parking, long term parking was, you know, people didn't believe us at first, but we could show them the numbers uh, for, for commuters, people that worked at the museum or at the library or at Pitt, there were, you could park. You, you know, you'd have to pay for it, and, but there was ample parking. What we needed was uh, people running into the, uh, providing parking for people going to the museum for two hours or to the library for two hours. And that we could provide around the perimeter of Shenley Plaza. And that's what we did. Yeah, it's a brilliant addition to the landscape of Oakland. And um, I remember all the consternation around it, not only from the neighbors, but students and staff and faculty and um, right. great addition to the to the footprint of that community, and um, it's it's really you know people you see people out there every day throwing fish, yeah. you know, reading books. It's yeah, it's quite a special place. Bonnie, Bonnie, I guess you know there's the technical aspects of a building, right? That Paul can articulate quite well the structure, how it's built, what it's made of, and I guess you know thinking about doors open and you provide this intimate experience for people to interact with with architecture and the storytelling piece is really critical. So moving beyond the technical aspects of architecture, you know, what rich stories are told, uh, you know, not only this to the historical elements, but are there any stories that you could remember that, you know, went from one of these historical tours that really stuck with you that made an impact that you continue to tell or 
can share with us today? Well, Eric, I wish I could say yes, but two things come to mind. Um, a, I'm usually uh, held up at the event center, so typically I'm, I'm not able to get out and you know, pop in and hear what the volunteer docents are sharing. However, um, I do see a lot of the, the feedback on our post-event surveys, and a common thread and, and uh, that just um, it necessarily doesn't surprise me because I have had the same reaction. I just never thought to say it out loud until I start started with Doors Open Pittsburgh, um, people really do have emotional connections to buildings. And we all might think that's odd at first blush because they are just brick and mortar, right? And concrete and drawings. And, but, but people have a lot of their benchmark lifetime events in buildings. Um, there's just memories uh, of, you know, of special occasions or just life occasions that people have inside a building. So I, I, those are the stories that I, maybe not specific that I remember is people come out of the doors open experience with, it, it just kind of conjures up uh, feelings, memories, um, attitudes, and it's, yeah. and it's, and, and, you know, and it's, it's, it's odd to say that because this is an inanimate structure. How could that possibly be? How can you have, uh, how can it, how can you have an emotional connection to a building? But it's just like a song, right? It just, it conjures something up. So those kind of stories and that kind of feedback that I get, that's honestly what I remember most. So I guess I'm more of a, a right brain person. I thought I was so. <laughs> Well, if I could add to that a little bit, I mean, the reason that I've put some serious time into Doors Open is that the, the stories about buildings or, you know, the built uh, environment are told. Not, you know, we, we talk about architecture and structure. If people are interested in that, always good topics. But, you know, the, the why are buildings built? You know, for what purpose? And like from, you know, the black, uh, churches, uh, history of the African American community in Pittsburgh. We did a bus tour, and people are fascinated by you know the the Great Migration. You know, the, and and these the Great Migration leads to things being built. Uh, and but uh, you know, and, uh, and major architectural monuments. So why was the Coppers Building one of the great Art Deco skyscrapers in America? you know, the melon money and what is the Coppers Court? You know, there's stories to be told and Doors Open, I think, has effectively, you know, addressed that. That's why, I you know, that's why I love your organization because, uh, you know, I think you. what you're doing is you're connecting these, um, these objects to, and, and then you're bringing them to life. Yeah. These, these rich storytelling experiences. One thing that I'm, 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 I, it, that just caught my attention because I live in a row house and, that was built in the 1800s in Southside and dozens of families moved to this house and the house was reconfigured in so many different ways. I'm wondering if that's the relationship to buildings, right? Is that we live in homes, we cherish their homes and then, but, 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 but we don't have that intimate experience with buildings as, we under, as we're talking about them in the, in, the, in, the, in the built environment in the city sense. Um, I'm, I'm challenging you both here to kind of think about what it, why do we have this rich connection? We spend time in the buildings. Uh, they offer us comfort. They offer us jobs. I don't, I don't know. Can, could we try to think about why we have this connection to buildings? Um, I'll take a stab again from feedback in my own personal experience. You know, I am not, uh, uh, I'm not academic, you know, in the industry of architecture or history. Um, but when I see something that I like architecturally, 
I know that I like it. I may not be able to describe it with the appropriate terms um, like Paul could, but I know what I like when I see it and there's enjoyment from that. I mean, it's to me, a lot of the buildings, quite simply, they're eye candy. Um, for lack of a better, like a very layman description. And who doesn't like to see something that appeals to them visually? Um, I think as humans, that's, that's one of our major sensors, uh, sensory, uh, uh, and I, I think it's important. Um, the other thing though, again, there, there are relationships with buildings. You go into them uh, with work, you go into them to be married, you go into them to share special celebrations uh, for yourself and people in your family and friends. Um, I don't know. It is. It, it kind of defies logic, but for me, I think those are the two things that resonate most with me, and why I can say, yeah, that building means something to me, which honestly makes no sense in black and white terms. Well, it, well, well. I think you described it quite eloquently. I mean, it's art. It's sculpture. You know, these things are crafted with precision, and um, so that's yeah. the beauty element of it that we can appreciate. Yeah, um, Eric, you kind of said what I was going to say. Uh, maybe architects like to think of, uh, you know, certain types of architecture, maybe not domestic architecture or a warehouse or whatever, but um, much of what the memorable architecture uh, are actually massive works of public art. You know, it's, it's public art that you work in and you walk through and you, you, you inhabit. Um, and, you know, a lot of architecture is, um, you know, satisfies that need. Um, just not to get pedantic, but you know, the, the Roman architect 2000 years ago, Vitruvius said that architecture had to provide commodity, firmness and delight. Uh, commodity being it satisfies its function and firmness means it, it's a roof over your head and then it doesn't fall down. And delight is that um, artistic, you know, what brings us joy? Why in a neoclassical building are these uh, fluted columns there? And they, we respond to that. Or why, you know, I just did a talk with doors open about uh, Frank Lloyd Wright and architecture. Why, why are we fascinated by this architect uh, uh, who's been gone for, you know, 50, 70 years? Uh, because he has satisfied our need for that what Vitruvius would call delight. You know, we, we, we respond emotionally to great architecture. Yeah, you know, there's, you know, speaking of Frank Lloyd Wright, I mean, I think there's something very valuable about the story of the architect too, is um, pretty fascinating in terms of the conceptualization of the projects. And, you know, I, I've worked with many architects and they're so very humble in terms of their work. Um, maybe Frank Lloyd Wright was not, but um, <laughs> but I think there's something very interesting about um, the idea of an architect and, and, the, and the magic they can, they can create and produce for sure. Um, I guess the, my, my last question is about how architecture kind of lived in community um, and the responsibility for architects and architecture to, um, you know, kind of looking beyond its, its footprint and the responsibility it has to, um, it's maybe a more philosophical question, but I'm wondering if Bonnie, you can address, you know, some experiences, I know you're on the event side of it and you're planning uh, any, any uh, experiences that you've had saying, well, this, this piece of architecture works well here, or this community reacted really well for this piece of, piece of architecture being in the community, whether it was a church or an office space. 
Sure. Um, yeah, again, my personal opinion conjecture is, you know, people respond very well to churches. Um, a, they're beautiful uh, aesthetically. Um, and again, it just evokes, you know, uh, a lot of positive emotion. Um, I think repurposing, I, I know within a community there's, you know, like, do you guys remember the uh, church brewer works? I think that I recall that years ago when they were wanting to convert that church into a brewery. And I feel like that was my first um, experience with seeing, wow, people really got, were getting upset of the thought of a brewery going into a church. And I, for me, that was kind of a pivotal moment because again, I, I'm not academic in any of this, but it was like, wow, people really do have emotions attached to, they did not want beer being poured, you know, being poured into glasses there out of that old church. And I, you know, so it's interesting to me um, how communities eventually, you know, we all know how that came to be, but eventually, you know, communities do get on the same page and they do galvanize, um, even though they may, they may agree to disagree, but, you know, in, in that process, um, buildings that are repurposed and, you know, adaptively reused um, to serve the community as the community evolves, I, I think is something that doors open captures, you know, our, our, the buildings that we invite to participate in our events they're very diverse in nature. Some are newly built, some are iconic, some are adapted, reused. And I think it's important to give people um, access to all those uh, different categories of buildings because again, it points to the direction that the city has come from and perhaps where it's going. The terrible irony of, of the hundreds of thousands of gallons of wine that was probably poured in that church. And yes. unfortunately the, the, the community is upset about some beer. No, that emotional connection is 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 an important connection, Bonnie. You 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 make that clear not only in the work that you do with doors open, but um, we see it in our neighborhoods in Pittsburgh too. Paul, any any architecture that you think that there, in terms of the responsibility it needs to have in the community plays a shining example. Yeah, let me think. Um, boy, there. I, I, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm broadening the category here a little bit, but um, uh, another part of the built environment, certainly the built urban environment, is uh, the part of the city that isn't actually buildings, and that would be parks. And uh, you know, this is another thing that I'm, I've been involved with is uh, Allegheny Commons Park on the north side is uh, has been uh, a project. Uh, since the, uh, the post-Civil War era, and it's been uh, designed and adapted and built and rebuilt uh, a number of times. And uh, in very much, well, certainly in recent years uh, with the Pittsburgh Parks Conservancy, uh, it's been a, uh, a lot of community engagement and it's been, you know, an integral part of the, uh, you know, rebirth and the strengthening of the North Side community there. So it's not a building, but it certainly is uh, historic in character. Mm -hmm. And is directly, again, maybe it's similar to Shenley Plaza. It's uh, extensively used because of the, you know, the changes that have been made, improvements and maintenance. And uh, so it's, it's a centerpiece of the community. Well, Bonnie and Paul, this was a wonderful conversation. I'd love to have you back as, as new, um, as you open more doors to other people and, um, you know, uh, please come back and, um, 
uh, this is this is a very important conversation about how architecture and neighborhoods can really galvanize around um, around a particular issue. And this was very helpful. Um, Bonnie, can you tell us more about where we can find information about Doors Open Pittsburgh? Oh, thank you for asking. I'd love to answer that question. Anyone can visit our website at any time. It's uh, doorsopenpgh.org. And uh, we're actually overhauling our website. So um, uh, in about a month, it's gonna be uh, very reflective of what, what we have going on this year. Right now we're in virtual, but we're gonna start opening up for in-person. And we have a couple extra in-person large-scale events that we're planning this year. So that'll all be um, uh, available on our website in about a month. It's wonderful, Bonnie, thank you. Paul, I know you're retired, but your contributions yep. are many to the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, anything you'd like to share about your work or we can find out more about you or? Yeah, well, uh, kind of tying into this conversation, I guess, uh, um, you know, the, the, these lifelong learning courses that I'm teaching at uh, Pitt and Carnegie Mellon are directly related to the conversation we've just had. Um, the history of architecture in Pittsburgh, so, uh, you know, people can spend, you know, or we do 90-minute um, lectures on Zoom, of course, uh, and learn more uh, about our, our city and how it grew. And, and then I'm doing another one on, this is a little bit ambitious, but uh, on world architecture, domes and world architecture. So <laughs> that, that's a little challenge to take on, but I'm enjoying doing the research. Did you say domes? Domes, yes. Oh, so oh okay. From the, the Pantheon to the Civic Arena. That's right, right. Well, this is wonderful. Uh, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah, we'll be in touch. I want you to have back in the studio and um, you all take care and be healthy.